Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Your hour of Thrive Time begins now with your host, Jay Mamie, on the Jay Mamie Talk Show. The Jay Mamie Talk Show. Good morning, everyone, and welcome once again to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. This is Jay Mamie, and you have now entered your hour of Thrive Time. I want you to know that your hour today is going to yield tremendous dividends because I've got a feeling that you're going to walk away with not only quality, thrive-minded content, but ultimately, it's going to help you change the way you think about certain things that are happening in your business, in your life, in your health. And certainly today, with the quality of guests that we have coming on the show, specifically chosen to speak on areas of thriving that are important, not only in your personal life, in your family life, but also in your business life. We're going to talk more about that as the show proceeds. But I have been talking about our show being not only one of the shows that has gained the most traction, uh, as far as I know, and what I've been told, not only here in the airwaves, but a lot of it on social media as well. But that's not what's important to me. What's most important to me are the comments and the feedback that I continue to receive from the listeners who continue to grow week to week. And that's something that I'm thrilled about. But it's the content, rather the comments that they make as to what they are gaining from listening to the show. You know, when I started this show a little over a year and a half ago, my intent was how can I bring content to my listeners where it changes the way they think, it forces them to embrace new behaviors, maybe make some changes and adjustments in the way that they have uh, lived their life so far, that their patterns of thought have been abruptly uh changed in a way that they can say, hey, that hour that I invested in that show taught me a little bit, gave me some insight, some perspective on things that I needed to do to thrive. And that has, that has happened every single week here. Week to week, I continue to get comments and feedback and emails. And some of you know what I'm talking about because we're going to talk about some of those things now, some of those comments that some of you have, have made. But those those words of encouragement is what really fuels my fire to continue to, to deliver thrive-minded content during your hour of Thrive Time. So I encourage you, all of you, to continue to send me those comments and those those wonderful words of encouragement, your thoughts, and specifically your questions as they have been pertaining to some of the content that we've covered. We're going to talk about one of those questions today uh, because I do love to to bring the same thoughts that our listeners are sharing. I want to bring them on air because they, I believe, many of you are having the same thoughts, the same sentiments. You might have the same questions. And for me, that's important to bring that to the airwaves so that your hour that you're invested is that hour of Thrive Time and you are walking away with yet another Another way to consider what needs to happen for you to change, for you to have a great year, for you to finish off this year well. And as I said earlier, we started a campaign here a couple weeks ago that is geared towards taking us right through the ending of 2021 into 2022. And I've themed our final weeks of programming for 2021 with an outlook for 2022. The theme has been a thriving you in 22. 
everything we're talking about so far over the last couple of weeks and everything we'll continue to have on this show for the next few weeks. Can't even believe we're talking about the last few weeks of 2021. It's amazing how time has flown, not only this year, but doesn't time fly overall? I mean, I'm sure many of you could think about, think back to last year, year before that, the last five and 10, and consider the, the events and the activities and the things that have happened in your life, and you could reflect upon it and think about it as if it happened yesterday. That's how time flies. That's why what we do daily matters because time does fly. It's a cliche, but boy, it's a true one. And before we know it, we'll be looking at January 1st of 2022 and what we do now in these last six, seven, eight weeks. So whenever you get a chance to hear this recording, uh, as we repurpose our broadcast uh, as as a replay, once it airs uh, live on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., you're going to look back, hopefully, and take what we've talked about and embrace it towards that thriving you in 22. That's our theme for our next few weeks. I'm excited about that. And if you've not had a chance to hear our prior episodes so far, then I'm going to encourage you to go to my talk show site, thejmamietalkshow.com. Hop on to our archive section. There you're going to find not only the previous episodes that are lining up and creating this, this momentum theme of a thriving you in 2022, but all of our prior episodes, which are chock full of content, great speakers, great guests, incredible business spotlights, brand new authors who have great works to share with the world. You're going to have a tremendous amount of opportunity to listen to quality content by checking out the archive section and listening to our prior episodes on the Jay Mimi Talk Show. But while you're also online, let me encourage you to hop on over to my regular site, thejmamie.com, thejmamie.com. You'll have a chance to hear all of my prior vlogs and read my blogs and see what we're up to, all of my prior videos and and the projects and the books that I'm currently working on, one of which I want to take a few minutes here to talk about now before I dive into my personal Thrive Talk, which will be based off a question or a comment, rather, that I had made to me these past few seven days based on our last week's show, which was titled Shedding. That was the title of my show last week, my Thrive Talk last week was shedding. Well, I had a question that came in based on that, and we'll get to that in a minute. But one of the areas that I know that many of you that are in business or in a sales-based career, I know that many of you are not having the success that you want to have, and you're frustrated, you're struggling with your results, your lackluster uh, results are, are really an indication that it is there's something missing, that there's a skill set that still has not been achieved. In fact, I had an email sent to me the other day from one of my prior coaching clients who says to me, I'm starting to get all of my prospecting in order. I'm starting to meet some people from my business, but I can't convert them from what I call a suspect uh, to a prospect, to a client, to a customer. So I know there's challenges that many of you have uh, are struggling with. I hear it all the time. I created a course so that this thriving you in 22 For those of you that are in a sales-based career or an entrepreneur or a business owner, this is for you. And by the way, let me just say that. We're all in a sales-based format somehow, right? Even if we're not in a sales-based entrepreneurial business owner career or experience, we're always looking to persuade and convince someone else to our point of view if it's healthy. We're trying to do that all the time, right? We do that with our kids. We do that with our friends. We do it with our spouses in a healthy way. We're always trying to, to convey why our point of view should be followed by another person, right? So there's always a sales aspect to to what we do to some degree. Well, I created the probably the most unique 
course that that's out there. I've not seen anything else like it out there. It's called the Thrive Sales Mastery Course, helping you go from a novice to a ninja in developing those sales skills that are needed to walk, talk, act, and experience the life like the pros do. Because I know that's what you want for your business. I know that's what you want for your life. I know you want to create something that's going to give you an opportunity to have this sense of control and competence and confidence and, and ultimately freedom because you are achieving the results that you're looking to achieve, helping a lot of people along the way, changing lives along the way, impacting, influencing lives along the way, especially at the end of the day, yours because you're making more money. The Thrive Sales Mastery course was designed for you so that you could experience that and learn not only from the modules that I personally have put together as part of this course, but also the modules from our contributors, which really is an all-star lineup of some of the top gurus around the world who collectively, just in our first year of recording, our first year of modules from these gurus, there's over 300 years of experience poured into our 12 module contributors. That's the Thrive Sales Mastery course. You can learn more about it. Go to the site, thrivesalesmastery.com. Subscribe. Give it a shot. Try it out for six months, seven months, eight months. I promise you it will change the trajectory of your success because you're learning how to get better in the art of sales and persuasion and communication. It's part of a thriving you in 2022, so I'm excited about that. Go check it out. But I had a recent guest, rather, I had a recent listener make a comment about my theme last week. Last week, my Thrive Talk theme was shedding, shedding the things in your life that don't serve you if you're going to have a thriving 22. So the comment that the listener made as she sent me an Instagram message was very simple. She says, hey, easier said than done, Jay. Easier said than done. You talk about shedding. I get it. I like to shed, but boy, you make it sound so simple. How do you, and her question was, how do you do it? How can you really take the idea of shedding an air in your life and make it applicable because it's easier said than done. I said, let me give you, I replied back to her the message. I'm going to reply back to everyone here because I think this is important for everyone to understand because I know many of you probably feel the same way. Well, easier said than done, Jay. Here's how you make it easy. Well, here's how you make it easier because there's nothing easy about change. There's nothing easy about shedding the things that don't serve you in order for you to thrive. Let me give you three ways to do that. Number one, you have to count the cost. How much will it cost you not to shed? It's important. People sometimes, and I'm not saying sometimes, oftentimes you're going to be more motivated by what it costs you not to do it. But you first have to identify what's it going to cost me if I don't shed the weight, if I don't shed the bad relationship, if I don't shed that toxic work environment, if I don't shed the things that are not making me happy, what's it going to cost me if I don't? Number two, you have to have a strategy. You can't wing it, folks. You cannot wing anything worthwhile doing. You have to have a strategy. There has to be a plan in place. You have to take a look at what are the logical, reasonable steps to make this happen. You do not wing shedding things that will cause you not to have the most in the experiences in life and the results that you would like in life. But whatever it is you're pursuing, whatever it is you're shedding, you cannot just wing it. You have to have a strategy, a day-to-day -day game plan that in the end will allow you to look back and realize, hey, I did it. It wasn't easy, but I did it because I had a plan. I had a strategy. And the last thing you have to have is someone to hold you accountable. Who do you have in your corner rooting and cheering you on? Who do you have in your corner that's going to hold your feet to the fire because you have disclosed to them your agenda, your intent to shed 
this, that, or the other in your life? Who's going to hold your feet to the fire? Who's going to hold you accountable? Do you have that person that will say to you, how are you doing? How are you coming along? I thought you said you were going to do this by now. Why haven't you not done that? I thought you were serious about shedding. Did you lose that seriousness about uh, shedding something in your life? Who's in your corner? Who's going to hold you accountable? So to my listener who sent me the Instagram message and to the rest of you who probably think of the same thing, how do you shed? How does it make it? Uh, how do you make this experience easier? Count the cost. Make sure you have a strategy and have somebody hold your feet to the fire. Folks, I'm excited about the rest of the show. It's going to be awesome. A thriving you in 22. We're going to continue that theme for the rest of the year, and we're going to rock that as we begin our next segment with our featured guest right after the break. Hey, everyone. This is Jay Mamie from the Jay Mamie Talk Show. I just want you to know that my book, my 10th book, is finally available, Thrivology. Action-stoking and thought-provoking quotes and phrases is now available for your purchasing pleasure. This book has already making tidal waves among those who appreciate content that is driven to give you a thrive-minded mentality and also reminders throughout the course of the week of the things you need to do to thrive. Guys, you can pick up my book, Thrivology, at thejmamie.com. Hey everyone, this is Jay Mamie from the Jay Mamie Talk Show. I want you to know that my course, the Thrive Sales Mastery Course from Novice to Ninja now is available. If you are an entrepreneur, a business owner, or have a sales-oriented career, and if your skill sets need improvement, if you are struggling with the areas that matter most, how to convert someone from a prospect to a customer or a client, then your sales skills need to be improved. Go visit thrivesalesmastery.com and learn more about this fantastic course. Susan, I'm sorry I'm late. Traffic is terrible. It sure is. But on top of that, gas prices have been skyrocketing. I can't believe how expensive gas has gotten recently. Prices at the pump are up, but I never pay full price for gas anymore. I just use the free GetUpside Gas app that pays you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get paid cash when you buy gas with the GetUpside app? Yes, up to 25 cents a gallon cash back every time I buy gas. And does that actually add up to anything? Some months, I make 200 to 300 bucks. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the free GetUpside app now. Download the free GetUpside app now in the App Store or Google Play to save up to 25 cents a gallon when you buy gas. Use promo code VAN for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's up to 50 cents a gallon on your first fill-up. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or any gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code VAN for up to 50 cents a gallon cash back on your first tank. That's code VAN. KLR. IF News and Information, 570 AM, 96.3 HD2. Welcome back to Thrive Time with Jay Mamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. This is Jay Mamie, and I'm so excited to introduce to you our featured guest today. You know, in our last segment, we talked about the importance of preparation, how preparation predicts destination, and how well you prepare will determine where you arrive. And there's someone who can certainly speak to that in, in such a great way, and that's why I'm excited that today's show is focusing on that, because Dennis Kimbrough, Dr. Dennis Kimbrough, someone who has spent his whole life preparing for the moment that he's in now, and he shares that message with the world. But you need to know a little bit about uh, Dennis before we begin. Dennis is a best-selling author of five books. He's a writing partner and master trainer for the prestigious Napoleon Hill Foundation. And he's also one of the faculty at the Clark Atlanta University School of Business Administration. He's also the recipient of the Dale Carnegie Personal Achievement Award, which is no small feat, my friends. He's also recognized as one of the top professors in the nation. A lot of you guys know I'm big on education. 
uh, and he is one of the top professors in the nation. So it is my honor and thrill to introduce you guys uh, to the incredible Dr. Dennis Kimbrough. Dr. Dennis, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. You could have anybody on your show and you got me. I am honored, my brother. All right. I appreciate you being on the show. We've got a lot to cover, man. We've got a lot to unwrap here. But before we get started, Dennis, you've got a very interesting story because uh, it, it wasn't easy where to to sort of grow up uh, and experience what, you, uh, what you've experienced and then still have the ability to thrive as you're doing now. So, it's important to get our listeners up to speed on you, a little bit of your history. Could you do that for us? Oh, without a doubt. Born and raised in New Jersey um, and, uh, you know, had the, you, your basic family in the 1950s and everything, mother and father, everybody was doing well, so I was blessed. Um, my father worked for the federal government. My mother was a nanny. My mother had a seventh grade education, and my you mentioned education. My parents were huge sticklers on education. But one thing changed when me and I have an older brother who made his transition four years ago. But when we were small, we couldn't watch TV on school nights. And I'm, I'm going to give my age right now because I remember when TV was invented in 1948 and in 1957, you know, almost 10 years later, a decade later, my father buys our first television set. So we couldn't watch TV on school nights. And um, my father made one exception to one show that came on once a week for 30 minutes, you know, and he sat me and my brother down and we had to watch the show. And after we watched the show, he would quiz us. And the name of the show was Biography. And it came back to mind, I'm watching the presidential debates and um, Mike Wallace was the host of Biography at the time, and now his son was hosting the debates, and I shared the story. And there were no black profiles back then. I remember seeing a profile of Winston Churchill, Teddy Roosevelt, Babe Ruth, and the like, and my father didn't care about that. After we saw that show was on for 30 minutes once a week, he would quiz us. He says, now, what did they do? Did they do anything spectacular? What was their goal? What was their dream? Do you have a dream? Are you going to do anything spectacular with your life? And blah, blah, blah. And little did I know, those were the seeds that were planted in my life when I was barely 10 years old. Mm. So, um, you know, you fast forward the videotape, undergrad, University of Oklahoma, and um, back then, in the early 70s, it was no big thing. I mean, you know, so me and my, many of me, me and many of my frat brothers, you know, we got married our senior year in college, and from there, you know, grad school and the like, and when I went to Northwestern University on my dissertation. Now, here I am. I'm in the final stages of writing my dissertation. And then another mile marker, another profound, I guess, impact was placed in my life. One of my committee chairmen, actually my committee chairman, said to me, said, Dennis, when you're writing your dissertation, don't write, you know, don't view this as a requirement, you know, for you to fulfill the degree to get your doctorate. View this as your first book. Mm. And so I was writing Wealth and Poverty. I was studying Wealth and Poverty among underdeveloped countries and blah, 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 this, that, and the other. And then right after the degree was conferred, I turned to my wife and I said, I know my first book. And she said, what is it? And I said, well, you know how I studied Wealth and Poverty? And she said, yeah, I don't want to study poverty. I only want to study wealth. And you know how I studied underdeveloped nation states? She said, yeah, 
I don't want to do that. I want to study individuals. So I went from the macro level down to the micro level, and she asked me, she said, well, how long will this book take? And my total naive mind, I said, not a day past 18 months, a year and a half, seven years later. (laughs) I know, but the fact of the matter is, I got started, and the first thing I did, Jay, I sat down, pulled out a legal sheet of paper, and I wrote 50 names on that sheet. I did an off-the-wall content analysis, and these were folks who, now you you got to go, you're going back right now to, you know, the early, early 1980s, and there was no social media, there was no media period at the level that it is now. So folks who I thought were doing great things economically, and even, you know, not so much economically, but maybe political, economically, and this, that, and everything. I wrote their name down, and after I got through, you know, with that list, I wrote 50 more and 50 more and this, that, and everything. And before I knew it, I didn't even know it at the time, I was standing in a pool of liquid gold if I could just go ahead and finish this book. So seven years later, there it is. Um, I was in... Year two to three, my first book was going to be What Makes the Great Great. And between year two and three on that book, I had so many folks asking for articles and interviews, and and the book wasn't nearly finished, but word got around, oh, man, he's writing a book, blah, blah, blah. And so Success Magazine contacted me. They wanted me to write a series of articles, and I wrote three, and one of those articles made it to the desk of W. Clement Stone. And then that was another mile marker in my life. He called me up. I didn't call him. How he got my number, I'll never know. But he called me up and he said, young man, when can you come to Chicago? I would like to meet you. Two weeks later, me and my wife bummed the money for airplane tickets, lodging, rent a car. We go up there. I didn't have the slightest thing that he had in mind. And that's when he gave me the challenge, finish, update, Napoleon Hill's book. So that's my life story in about five minutes or less, and that's how everything came together, one divine intervention mm-hmm. after another. Well, it's interesting because divine intervention always plays a major role in the future that you are given an opportunity to live and to experience, and that's actually our story in a sense. I, Clifton uh, Johnson, who's a mutual friend of ours, uh, had actually sort of virtually introduced me to you and that's how I was turned on into your message and and just listening into listening to a, a ton of your messages and what you've done and it's very difficult uh, to find uh, to go on social media today and not find a clip of Dennis speaking somewhere I mean the resume of uh, of your clients is the who's who of General Motors Walt Disney uh, Ohio State Buckeye football team, the Kansas City Royals baseball team, you've been on CNN, the Larry King Show. You know what it takes to be prepared for success. And and I, I want you to spend a few minutes, if you could share, based on your massive experience and all of the talks that you've given, the importance of being prepared if you plan on being successful. Well, it's a part of your why. you got to develop a why. And I guess Steve Jobs said it best when he, you know, he gave four reasons why to be in business. And the backflap story of Steve Jobs at one time, he was the youngest billionaire on the Forbes, you know, uh, Forbes magazine billionaires list. 
And he said, you know, I get sick and tired as I crisscross this country. The first question people ask me, Steve, how does it feel to be the youngest billionaire, blah, blah, blah. Then he said, I didn't do this for the money. I just did this because I wanted to produce insanely productive products that people enjoy. So that's your why. And you go back to Richard Branson. I mean, Richard Branson, more than a couple of years ago, gave up the day-to-day operations of Branson Enterprises, and he was passing the baton on to his children. And when he made the announcement, Wall Street just walked up to him. A journalist walked up to him and says, Mr. Branson, now that you're no longer running the day-to-day affairs of your companies, what do you want to be known for? What's going to be your legacy? How do you want to be judged? And Branson replied, you know, I'm not big in the judging, but if you have to judge me, don't judge me by anything I built here at Virgin Atlantic Music or Virgin Airlines or the like. If you've got to judge me, judge me by the character, the quality, and the integrity of my children. Mm. Now, those are two examples of a why, and neither had to do with money. And the same thing with me. If you're going to be prepared, what is your why? And it can't be money because money will not sustain you. So what was my why? Okay, I tell people all the time, I did not get in this business to speak. Now, I'm grateful, and I'm honored, and I'm extremely humble that somebody would bring me in to speak, but that wasn't the end game. The end game was to write this book. You know, I didn't say, oh, man, I'm going to be a multimillionaire, man. I go ahead and send this. And no, it wasn't that at all. You know, your most prolific scholar is W.B. Du Bois, and one of his quotes that I love is when, you know, um, the boy said, paideia, paideia, always paideia. Well, what the hell is paideia? That's the Greek term for knowledge, mm. for inquisition, for learning, for understanding. And, you know, like the boy said, nothing comes before knowledge. There are 10 different forms of wealth or 10 different forms of leverage, whatever you want to use. And number one, the number one form of wealth, the number one form of wealth is knowledge. Now, my business students ask me all the time, Dr. Kimbrough, how can be knowledge be more important than money? Because, the, you know, the pocketbook can't grow till the mind grows. Mm. And Du Bois said the same thing. A man or woman who won't control his or her finances won't control anything else. When he mentions anything else, if you don't care about the money in your pocket, what do you care about black-on-black crime? What do you care about teen dropout rates in your community? What do you care about a number of these issues that's more important than that? So you've got to be prepared, and you've got to have a hunger. And, you know, when you talk about hunger, okay, so you look at all the people that we were enamored with. We look at all the people that we're inspired by. We look at all the people that we emulate. Well, at one point in their time, they were ridiculed. They were, you know, the cynics, the doubters, the unbelievers. They, they were laughed. They were scoffed at. Well, they were hungry to reach their goal and objective. And then the difference between folks who are iconic, like a LeBron James, like a Michael Jordan, like a Beyonce, like a Jay-Z, those who are iconic, yeah, initially they were hungry. And then after they reached that pinnacle and after they reached that goal, they maintained that hunger. Or 95%, yeah, you can be hungry and reach your goal. After you reach your goal, you just sit back, you take a break, you grab a beer, you sit down, you relax, and then time marches on. No, maintain that hunger. And when you maintain that hunger, that produces dominance. Staying hungry is a major part of, yep. of how long you will sustain the focus and the intensity that it takes to be prepared. I think Without if, it, right? I mean, you, you could have, you could start off with all the right intentions of, of being focused, being intent, a great plan to execute. 
and all of it, right? And we've all seen that. We've seen people who get off to a great start. They get it all lined up. I mean, they've, they're, they've uh, aligned all their ducks in order, but they lack that hunger factor. They lack mm-hmm. it, and they fall short. They fall short. Dr. Kimber, when we come back after the break, I, I want to ask you two questions. One, I want to ask you, where do you see? We know what it takes in order to, to be uh, diligent in your preparation, but where have you seen people fail? Even if they are prepared, uh, where do you see that people fail? Because I know some people are probably asking, that's great, I'm prepared, I'm hungry, but I'm still not achieving my dreams. Where do you see people fail? And then I want to talk a little bit more about this great book that you wrote that is also changing lives. You wrote it's a bestseller, The Wealth Choice, Success Secrets of Black Millionaires. I want to talk a little bit about that as well when we come back after the break. Got it. (laughs) Folks, we'll be right back after the break. Hi, my name is Alicia Bush, and I'm the founder of Treasured Vessels Foundation right here in Dallas, Texas. TVF is an anti-trafficking organization devoted to providing a long-term safe place for healing and growth to individuals impacted by trauma from exploitation and sex trafficking. We provide food, shelter, education, and mental health care for survivors. Check us out at treasuredvesselsfoundation.org. That website again is treasuredvesselsfoundation.org. Have you ever hired the wrong person? Did the resume give you the impression they would be a good fit because of their past accomplishments? I'm Cody Robinson, founder of Robinson Interview Consultants. We help employers reduce turnover, thus saving time and money through the screening and interview process. Utilizing proper question formulation and response interpretation, we identify candidates whose character and behaviors align with your vision, values, and culture. Check us out at interviewexperts.com for a complimentary review of your hiring practices. That's interviewexperts.com. If you call Lasco Equipment, you're going to hear one thing. We're on it. We're on it with Case IH Tractors. They're powerful, efficient, and versatile. High-tech equipment that runs early and often. You climb into the driver's seat of a Case IH Tractor, and you'll be on it too. From baling to mowing to loading and more. Visit ASCO in Sherman, Terrell, Tyler, and Wichita Falls. Or at ASCOEQ.com. At ASCO, we're on it, whatever it is. If you're like most people, you're probably more than a little concerned about the state of the world around us today. Strange times. The stock market all-time highs every day. U.S. debt never been higher right now. Dollars losing value. And let's not forget about inflation, the highest since 2008. Remember what happened in 2008. So how do you protect your money, your retirement, your savings? Well, many people just like you are turning to Old Faithful to protect themselves during these difficult times. And Old Faithful is real gold and silver from the Oxford Gold Group, the kind you can actually hold in your hands and have in your IRA. No better time than the present to protect your future and the future of your family. Call the Oxford Gold Group right now, 833-928-GOLD. They will send you their free guide on investing in gold and silver and answer all of your questions. Protect your money before things get even worse out there. Call the Oxford Gold Group today at 833-928-GOLD. Oxford is here to help you protect your savings and retirement. That's 833-928-GOLD. KLIF News and Information, still at 5.70 a.m. and also at 96.3 HD2. Welcome back to Thrive Time with Jay Mamie. Welcome back to the Jay Mamie Talk Show, everyone. We are in our second segment listening to the brilliant Dr. Dennis Kimbrough. Doctor, one of the things we left off on our prior segment was how people could still 
seemingly do everything right. They prepare with intention. They're hungry. And they do all these things. And I've met tons of people like this in my 35 careers of being an entrepreneur and coaching people as well. And you probably met 10 times more folks like that where there's something still missing. Something is still missing where they that causes them to fall short of that success that they are pursuing. In your experience, what, what do you think is that missing ingredient that is, is so prevalent that people miss it? Well, I mean, that's a part of entrepreneurship. You answered your own question. And what is entrepreneurship? Entrepreneurship is a roller coaster. There's highs and lows, there's fast and slows. And people ask, well, when does the roller coaster end? Well, the roller coaster never ends until you get off the roller coaster, until you get off the ride. So that's entrepreneurship. If you can't see yourself within a 20-year window, I mean, don't pursue that opportunity. You know, the one thing that they teach at Harvard Business School is they say, you know, you're going to go ahead and launch a business. Make sure you got a market cap in excess of a, of 100 million and why do they want you to go after the big dreams because the same energy it's going to take to get that rocket ship off you know the ground you know uh, 100 feet into the air it's going to take that same energy to get it off the ground one inch so if you're going to do it do it right now as i try to elaborate on what makes the great great in terms of pursuing your goals and dreams whatever it is and I want to take the opportunity. I'm not one of these individuals that everybody's got to be an entrepreneur. Everybody's got to be a millionaire. Everybody, No. I mean, this whole thing with success is a six-pointed star. You can judge where you are in life by the various points of the star that you've incorporated in your life. So what is my definition of success? It's the same definition used of Earl Nightingale. Success is the progressive realization of a worthy goal and ideal. That's all it is. Is Now, in our materialistic, capitalistic economy, we always place a dollar figure on that, and you can't do that. Because I interview countless successful people who, you know, you pass on the street and you would never know it. I mean, folks who just wanted their particular dream, their particular vision versus billionaires who I, I interviewed and the like. But to answer your question and be specifically, when you talk about failure, failure is not failure until it's accepted. Success is a statistical event. That's all it is. I tell my students all the time, why am I Dr. Kimbrough? Am I Dr. Kimbrough because I'm smarter than you? Hell no. I'm Dr. Kimbrough because I got more college hours than you have. You get the same number of college hours I have, and you will be doctor whoever. So it is a statistical event. That's all it is. But when you look at the pecking order, chasing your dream, and you are smacked in your mouth, and you get your hands baked, and you are knocked to your knees, that's one of the factors of success. You know, that's the third fact. Number one is driven. All right, if you're going to be successful, number one, you've got to be driven. Just like Steve Harvey said. Steve Harvey spoke in my class, and I got a chance to interview him a couple of times at his radio station and the like. What did he tell my students? He said, what are you called to do? He says, a career is what you're paid for, but a calling is what you're made for. If I asked you, Jay, what you do for a living, would you tell me it's a job? Would you tell me it's work? Would you tell me it's employment? Would you tell me it's a slave? Would you tell me it's a nine to five? Well, hopefully, and I pray that you would tell me it's a mission. Because if you told me that it's a mission, that you are on mission, that obviates the fact that you're going to have two qualities. You're going to have passion and you're going to have conviction. Now, why is that critically important? Because the passionate, convicted mind can never, can never be defeated. The passionate, convicted mind can't be defeated, brother. 
Because if it could be defeated, there would be no Steve Jobs. There would be no Bill Gates. There would be no Oprah Winfrey. There would be no Bob Johnson. There would be no, you know, Robert Smith. But number three is when you look at these folks that we, you know, aspire to be and whatever, they didn't have an easy path. Mm. They didn't have an easy path. And what do I mean by easy path? You know, come on, man. That obviates the fact that, you know, you've got to think outside the box. You will either change or you'll be changed by change. You will either change or you will be changed by change. Now, I don't care if you're a corporate climber or I don't care if you're an entrepreneur. If you're an entrepreneur, there's two businesses that you run. If you're a corporate climber, there's two jobs that, you're, you know, you've got duties and responsibilities for. And what are the two businesses every entrepreneur runs? The business that you're in now and the business that will be in five years. Now, you just think about the pandemic. Prior to the pandemic, I mean, the economy was buzzing. You had entrepreneurs making money hand over fist, but they didn't focus in on the business that will be in five years. Now, when I go around the country and, and, and speak, you know, I'm thinking, okay, they fly me in, hotel, lodging, shave, shower, go down to the venue, give my 20, 30, 45-minute talk, get back on the plane, go back to class, blah, blah, blah. None of that. I'm in my office right now, in my office, in my house, my study, my entire first floor, in my house is my study, and this is the center of gravity for me. Mm. Here I am seated right here, and where I would stand up and give a speech a year ago, no. I got my webcam on top of a tripod as I stand up, and, you know, I got my suit on. But I'm not wearing the pants to my suit. I got on shorts and flip-flops, but from the chest up, oh, man, you look, you know, you look like a million bucks, man. <laughs> the power and, of and, Zoom. And, yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. And so that, that, you know, that's the critical aspect, and it goes back to preparation. So what do you need to do if you're a business person, all right? If you're a business person, number one, if you cannot digitize your business, where you can run your business on a smartphone, you're out of you're out of the league. You're out of you're not even in the game. So number one, digitize your business. Number two, you got to make it easy for people to do business with you. Make it easy for people to do business with you. There are 21 different ways to market or sell a product or service. Number one is word of mouth, and number 21 is internet. You've got to look at all 21. Where is the best point of entry for me where I can make it easy for my customers to make contact with me? So, I mean, there are a number of factors that go into preparation, and if you did these, you know, you wouldn't experience nearly the failure. You know, one day this whole pandemic is going to be over with, Jay. This is my third pandemic. Wow. I'm I'm walking distance to age 70. I can barely remember, but I can vividly remember. In my mind, my mother taking me to the Board of Health, and I might have been four or five years old, but I remember in the Board of Health, and all I remember, two items. Number one, a whole bunch of kids crying and a whole bunch of white coats. Why? We're getting the polio vaccine. Mm Mm-hmm. And I got, the, I got the scar on my arm to prove it. So that was number one. Number two, here comes tuberculosis. And then the Board of Health gave parents a choice. Either you can bring your kids down to the Board of Health and we can vaccinate them, or we will bring doctors and nurses to your son's school and you can vaccinate them in the school. And my parents opted, you're going to get vaccinated in school. And here I am sitting in class, a little tyke again. You know, teacher calls out my name, and I march down to the nurse's office. And back then, when I was in school, a nurse, school nurse, was really a nurse. 
She had on the white uniform, the white stockings, heavy starch cap. Walked in, and I got vaccinated. So that's number two. So why am I sharing this? Look, damn it. One day this will end. That's right. But what won't change is, is the new normal. That won't change. Yeah, the pandemic will end. So what is the new normal? All you got to do is plug in the LinkedIn, and LinkedIn tells you the new normal, the five attributes that you have got to own up to if you're going to survive in the future. And at the top of the list is creativity. Creativity, man. Mm. The average individual in our society gets five, you know, four to five ideas a year. If they had the guts or courage to chase that dream, will make them financially independent. Now is the time to chase that dream. But like Damon John told me, creativity is an idea, but it won't do you any good without innovation because innovation is the ability to execute that idea. When I asked Damon John, I said, Damon, if you could do anything different in your life, what would you have done? He said, that's the easiest question in the world. If I were to do it, if I had the opportunity to do anything different, number one, I would have taken my butt to college. I would have got my degree in marketing because when I launched my FUBU product, I didn't have the slightest idea what I was doing, and I lost money hand over fist. So I go back and I tell my marketing students, I said, this is what he said about you, and here you are trying to be like him. I got kids all the time, man. I'm about to leave, blah, blah, blah. I said, wait a minute, pump the brakes, my brother. Number one rule of business is to stay in business. Now, you heard what Damon John said. And when Damon John speaks, I listen. Why? Mm -hmm. Because you've got four or five people on Shark Tank. He is second. Damon John is second to Mark Cuban in wealth. Yeah, when you've got that kind of power and influence, oh, yeah. exactly right. People, people you listen. Mr. Wonderful is up to, uh, Mr. Wonderful is looking up at Damon John. Mm. I, I love what you said there uh, towards the end about creativity, because as I was listening to to your 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 incredible wisdom and knowledge, that is obviously it is just is it's inundated in, in experience. But you mentioned three things that have caught my attention. Number one. How a person can still fail, even after they prepare, is that they lack creativity. Yep. And, and they lack the ability to pivot and make adjustments, which is what's happening to a lot of folks today. Right? A lot of business owners today, is, oh, yeah. today haven't pivoted. They have not made the adjustments. Uh, they're like uh, the Titanic and not having the ability to turn from the glacier. <laughs> oh, without <laughs> a doubt, man. Without a doubt. And Man, you know what? You brought that up. I remember I've had several presentations up in Nova Scotia and twice. You know, that's where many of the, the victims, those who died on the Titanic, are buried there. And I mm -hmm. remember they took me on a tour and took me to that graveyard and it all came back. Man, yeah, because I didn't pivot. And what is pivot? Pivot is maintaining your overall strategy while changing your day-to-day -day tactics. In other words, the strategy is to do A, B, C, X, Y, Z, one, two, three, but your daily tactics change, and you change your tactics with complete disregard to how much time or money you've invested to date. Because people say, well, hey, it's time to pivot. Man, I can't pivot. I spent all this time, all this money. No, now's the time to pivot. Now, when you look at Fortune 500 and Fortune 1000, what do they have in common? When you look at Fortune 500, well, whether number one is ExxonMobil or Walmart or Amazon, all the way down to number 500, which is big lots, what do they have in common? They pivoted at least one, probably twice, before they hit that list. Well, I'm hoping that a whole bunch of folks that are listening to the show are going to take a page out of that and decide that they are going to, if they're going to have the intention to prepare the right way so they could arrive at a place that they're excited about, that they're proud about, 
and that they can look back and say, hey, you know, I did it. I mean, I went through some stuff, but I did it. I hope they realize creativity is important, the ability to pivot. You said something earlier. I'm just going to touch on it because you talked about you have to define your purpose. You have to define your purpose. Do you see it as a job? Do you see it as a career, as a nine to five? I think that's critical because that will fuel the fire of passion to oh, yeah. continue to uh, to prepare and and face the hard times without throwing in the towel on the preparation. Uh, so so fantastic, fantastic information, uh, Dr. Kimber. We really appreciate you being on the show. Where could people find out more about you, your upcoming projects, if they want to uh, get in touch with you? My show was heard globally. I've got folks that are listening from Australia, from Taiwan, obviously here in the States, uh, because we do have a listen live feature that anyone can catch the show on air, even though they're not in the Dallas frequency, they can catch the show at any time. Where could people find you to learn more about you and what you can do for them? the map um you can hit me on everything from twitter facebook linkedin uh dr dennis kimbrough on twitter linkedin you can go uh, my website www.denniskimbrough.com info at denniskimbrough.com and you can go to amazon barnes and noble whatever my books are available i've been blessed and if worse comes to worse you can always contact me through clark atlanta university school of business like 50 million of my students and all the students i have taught over the years uh, contact any of my students they know exactly how to reach me so that's probably the easiest way when we have another opportunity to have you on the show, which that will be in the next six months, we're going to dive into the book. We didn't have a chance to, t- to talk about the mm-hmm. book, but quite frankly, that's a topic that deserves its own two segments. So can you oh, yeah. can you make a promise to come back, Dr. Kimbrough? I will certainly do that, my brother. Thanks for the opportunity. I love you. Have a great day. You too, my brother. Thanks for being on the show. Folks, we'll be right back. Does your company have a decision-making process that is repeatable, reliable, and consistent? Hello, my name is Gerard Ibarra. I'm a consultant, author, and speaker. I teach companies how to make better decisions. With my process, companies become more efficient, get buy-in from the stakeholders, keeps their emotions at bay, and make better decisions for the overall benefit of the company. Contact me today at G-E-R-A-R-D-I-B-A-R-R-A.com, GerardIbarra.com, to learn more and receive a free 30-minute consultation. You probably only think about insurance when you need it, but at Higginbotham, we have insurance specialists thinking about your risks and how to cover them year-round. We start with listening and end with a custom solution that fits your needs and budget. Whether it's for your home, car, health, business, or employees, Higginbotham has you covered. Higginbotham is a place that leads with values, so your value leads. Fruits and vegetables are integral to any healthy diet. But why do so few Americans actually eat the recommended servings of produce every day? Because it can be difficult to prepare that much produce daily. Even processes like juicing leave out pulp and other parts of the produce that are dense in nutrients you need to stay healthy. Balance of Nature is the best way you can get all of the recommended servings of fruits and vegetables every day without eating a mountain of produce. By taking Balance of Nature, you are giving your body all the nutrients it needs to increase your cell's vitality. Get the nutrition that can only be found in whole, natural fruits and vegetables by calling 1-800-2468-751 right now. And don't forget to get 35% off your first order as a preferred customer by using discount code DALLAS. 
news and information. KLIF. Welcome back to Thrive Time with Jay Mamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. I'm excited about our author spotlight. I have, I've mentioned that we are turning the corner on a brand new year, 2022. And, and part of that is being able to create the environment that allows for you to thrive, but not just you, everybody else around you. That's why it's a thriving you in 22. But taking a page out of that is also important to recognize that there are others around you that are also participants of that thriving experience that you are uh, developing for yourself. That's why our author spotlight today is someone who's going to speak a little bit about what happens when you go through a divorce. So we're going to change that word in a minute. But what happens when you go through that and there's children involved? And what's the message that you uh, are able to share with the, with the young minds that are a participant in this process so that they aren't stumbled or handicapped in their ability to thrive? So I'm excited to have Amy Tyson. She's the author of the brand new book, One Princess, Two Castles. And it's a, and it's a, a great book. We're going to unwrap the topic. Amy, I appreciate you being on the show. Jay, I'm so excited to be here. What an honor. Thank you. Amy, before we dive into the goodness of your work, I'd like for you to share with our audience <laughs> a little bit about your story. Sure. And um, well, I am obviously the author of One Princess, Two Castles. I am also a first grade teacher, but above all else, I'm a single mom here in Frisco, Texas with three amazing daughters, ages 9, 17, and 20, who mean the absolute world to me. A little bit about my journey. I have been divorced not just once, but I've been divorced twice. And going yep. through the divorce process, I feel like I've learned a lot along the way. Divorce is no doubt it's a climactic event and, you know, a lot of emotion comes with that, a lot of hurt and sometimes even anger. But at the forefront of all of that is a major concern that you want your children to not just be okay. You want your children to be good. You don't want to hurt their little hearts. And now you've got to tell them some news that, you know, is going to forever change their little lives. Well, I think that's important because today we know the statistics, right? We know that, uh, over 50% of marriages end up in divorce. Uh, divorce attorneys are busy as they've ever been. And uh, it, it is a trickling effect down to those precious kids and, and the way that they're uh, handling the situation is very difficult. But I'm curious, what inspired you to tell your story in the book, to write this book? Right. Well, as I went was going through my first divorce, I was recommended a book to read to my two oldest daughters at the time who were seven and four. I read the book to them, you know, in just the most delicate way. They did not like the book. They are obviously now 20 and 17. Not only do they still remember that book and not liking it, they've obviously never forgotten that day. Mm. Um, fast mm. 40 years later, as I was walking through my second divorce, you know, I'm then faced with how do I tell my daughter, my youngest daughter, who at the time was five, and I was recommended yet another book. I went on Amazon and ordered it. I came home and went in my room alone. I remember sitting on the floor reading through just the, the first part of the book. And I just closed it and I thought, this is just, it's not it, or at least not the way I wanted to explain this major life event to my little girl. 
And um, at some point later on, I had a title, One Princess, Two Castles, come into my head. And I thought, I've never written a book. So I literally wrote it on a little scrap of paper and and put it away. Mm. Um, Later on, I sat down at my computer and I just thought, you know, I want a way to present a different way of parents splitting up a way that can facilitate the conversation that can help the children to know it is okay for their hearts to feel sad, of course, but it's also okay for their hearts to feel really excited about spending time with both of their parents and to know that even though things will be different, things will be good. And so I thought if I can come up with a way to present that, that that could just help children and their families to heal and um, just to move on in a better way. You know, I've always said, Amy, that the best books oftentimes, and there are situations when this is not the case, but oftentimes the best self-help books are the ones written by those who've gone through the experiences. Isn't that true? Oh, that because there's something sense. about you yeah. going through the experience. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, you, there's a, another layer of deep perspective from someone who has gone through the challenges that they are now on the other side of, or just about on the other side of, where they could help sort of that person who's going through the same challenges with their experiences and, and give that encouragement that is very difficult to give unless you've actually gone through it. So I appreciate you taking the time to write the book. But here's an obvious question that may not be so obvious. Who would you say is the best person or or best suited to read your book? Well, as far as age groups go, I would say children ages four to nine. Mm -hmm. As far as what they're going through, this book does not mention the actual word divorce, and it's for two reasons. Number one, I feel that like the word divorce can be really harsh to use with children. Right. You know, they just, all they really need to know is my parents are no longer going to be staying together and how do we heal and how do we deal with life going forward and so the word divorce is not used the other reason the word divorce is not used is because you do have quite a few parents today that are not married that have children and they are splitting up and so that book can this book can also help them my book I've also found that it not only helps children that are going through the divorce process or the splitting up of the parents at the time It has helped children who their parents have split years ago, and they just, they're still healing. They need someone to identify with. And so them reading the book and identifying with the character Princess T, um, it just helps them to feel like they're not so alone. Every book I've learned teaches a lesson. And there's obviously this book was written to teach a lesson, but what, what would you say is the main lesson or two that this aspires to teach others? Sure. I would say lesson number one is that this child has two parents, obviously, and that they should be able to feel the love from both of their parents and excited to feel that love and excited to spend time with both of the parents and not feel guilty about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And to embrace all of their emotions from happiness to sadness and just throughout that whole process and to also embrace the fact that you know what things do change and that things will be different 
but they will be good. And it's how you look at things. And it's, it's forcing yourself to flip that mindset and look for the good. And that helps not just the children, but that helps the parents as well. You know, I, I love that. That's a mic drop uh, because ultimately it's about being able to take a situation that certainly uh, is going to create a, a sense of adjustment, but looking at it in a positive way, not a negative way. So flipping that mindset is important. Why is this book today so timely? And the next question is, where can people find your book? <laughs> okay, so why is it so timely? Well, we know with statistics that divorce is super common from all socioeconomic groups to all um, walks of life, and as well as just splitting up, even if there's not a divorce. So it's just super common, and I feel like this can help so many children today. And where you can find my book, uh, you can go onto my website. It's happinessintheheartache.com. So that's happinessintheheartache.com. And you can order it from me. I can get it out to you very quickly. Before I let you go, before I let you go in the last few seconds, is there a snippet that you would like to share with the audience uh, from your book? Doesn't Absolutely. Maybe the, uh, the whole book, but maybe a snippet or two would be great. Yep. Towards the very end of the book, it, Princess T, which is the main character, she meets with the queen and the king, and they tell her they are going to continue to live in two separate castles, but even when she's not with the queen, she can still feel all of her love in her heart, and when she's not with the king, she can still feel all of his love in his heart, and they are going to help her to be the very best princess she can possibly be. Well, Amy Tyson, we appreciate you writing this book. It's going to impact the lives of children and adults, uh, I believe, for a very long time. The name of the book is called One Princess, Two Castles. Amy Tyson, appreciate you, and uh, good luck with the book.